What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Roger Bell, a.k.a. AAU Dad, quick to put a foot in your ass, a.k.a. defensive stopper that blew from Florida with love, a.k.a. fuck with me and meet your demise in seven seconds or less, go. Howard Beck, a.k.a. Beck, a.k.a. Notorious What Up Beck, a.k.a. the all-time ally, a.k.a. white man can write, go. Logan Murdoch, town propaganda pusher, a.k.a. Mac Murder, the what's poppin' poppy, a.k.a. Lord of the Fitty Bitties, live in your city city. You know the motherfucking vibes, and you know you need it in your motherfucking life. We gon' slay, cause if you ain't heard, this is motherfucking Mondays. What's poppin'? Y'all know what it is, motherfucking Mondays. We are back for 2024. Happy New Year, Howard. <laughs> Good to see you, bud. <laughs> By the Larry David rules, we are at the very, very, very edge of when we can say it but happy new year guys it's good to see you it's been a while you you've had a few shows without me since uh since i last saw you what was where were larry's rules i mean it's a phenomenal show i just forget what his rule was i think i think larry david's i can't remember the exact date but at some point within like the first day or two of january he's done like okay. it's uh, it's that's so it's over like no more happy new year no happy holidays it's over that's a good rule yeah, like, I, you, we I, can't I drag it that. out too long I'm not going to lie, I do. I, I think there's a curb your enthusiasm feel to this show at times, especially with the addition of you, Howard. There's a little, there's a, there's a funny curmudgeon vibe. We already had that from Raja and now you're in the building. I, it's, a, it's a little bit, Kerm, get the, get the sound effects to make sure that we know that this is like a, a, a curb type vibe. We need to get more curb stuff up in here. 
right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Anyways, we're here for a new year. Um, we are on the brink of the return of one Draymond Green. Um, I was awakened by a notification that he was doing a podcast that I um, immediately sent to Raja and Kerm in the chat. Uh, it was a long rambling uh, response. Um, Howard saw the whole thing. Roger saw a little bit of it. I saw a little bit of it, and I, I pretty much got the point. My question to you guys is, and I'll start with Howard on this one, Are is this iteration of the Warriors ready to observe this iteration of Draymond Green? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. I'm, I'm really, actually, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Raja's uh, interpretation of all this, just because as a former player and as someone who's seen all this, this from the inside, I think it's it's probably hitting Raja differently than it would hit you and me, Logan. But um, it's an interesting question, Logan, because this is obviously not the most veteran version of the Warriors, right? Like a Draymond flare-up in 2016, 17, 18, 19 with... Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala and all these vets still as the foundation there next to Steph and and Clay is one thing. But this is, you know, highlighted by Draymond's absence, this has become a really young team. Like we've got the two extremes. It's Steph and Clay, and then it's a bunch of rookies and third year guys, and we're getting more longer Kuminga runs, even if Kuminga's not happy with his minutes. Um, we're getting uh, you know, a lot of pods minutes. Um, and yeah, Chris Paul's been in there too. And now he's out with, with the broken hand, but it's a different group that has to kind of reintegrate him. I don't think it'll be a big difference. Like I, I tend to be, listen, if, if I've been guilty of anything consistently in recent years, it's that I'm guilty of being overly optimistic about the warriors, uh, and their ability to overcome just about everything in part, because they have not just Draymond stuff, but you know, blown out knees and blown out Achilles and Durant leaving and Bob Myers leaving. Well, you know, have they overcome that or not? I guess that's remains to be seen. But I I tend to lean toward this will look a lot like the rest of these kinds of episodes where Draymond has stepped out. Now he's coming back into the fold. They'll absorb it and move on because they've done it a million times before. And the key People who set the tone for how to do that are still there. And that's Steph and Clay and Steve Kerr. I would just say, I think Howard is absolutely on the right track. Every, every year older Steph and Clay get, it becomes harder for them to physically, Howard, you talked about them overcoming, you know, those injuries that they sustained, you know, when, when they were kind of in their prime you know, those guys were three and four years younger. So every year older they get, it becomes harder to, to make up for those significant losses. Right. Um, but every year younger, they get around the core every year younger. They get in terms of, of, of the Kamingas of the world and the, and all of those young pieces that they're playing every year younger, they get, it becomes harder to reabsorb Draymond. If that makes sense. And I know it's a really convoluted way of saying it, but the younger they get, the harder it becomes, not just from a stability at the top and cultural standpoint, um, but from uh, figuring out what your role is within these kind of defined, you know, offensive systems that the that Golden State's been running, for, you know, with so much success for so long. And, and guys come in and you, you hear the Kamingas, you know, as he's playing more and more minutes and still not kind of happy with those minutes. That's a guy telling you, I want more. 
Like he's literally telling you, I want more. Not not with his game. Sometimes there'll be a guy you know out there that's fit, kind of on the court. You could tell he wants to stretch his wings a little bit and kind of feel his way around an offense. And he's not necessarily happy with this this particular role. Uh, you know, as it, as it pertains to his ascension into whatever realm of player he's going to become. But he's telling you, like, this ain't enough for me. And so when Draymond is out for extended periods of time with young players that want to do that, it just blurs the lines more. It has people creeping into areas that they might normally not even think about getting into because there's so much stability in terms of the way they play when Steph, Draymond, and Clay are present. And so do I think they'll be okay? Sure. Do I think it takes a toll on them that that we probably can't quantify? Also, sure. Now, me and Howard talked about this, and I want to get back to Kaminga in a second because we've been a, we haven't talked since uh, the leak happened, which was pretty hilarious to me. And me and Howard talk about that a little bit offline. But let's talk about Draymond first and how he is reintegrating himself back into the fold. And a lot of that, at least our first. Our, our first initial picture into him reintegrating himself was him coming back on his own podcast, Howard. And I was when I got when I saw the 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 pod was 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 being made. I was a little disappointed, and more of just the fact that the whole reason for you to be off the floor and have this suspension is for you to figure out some level of change in your practice, right? And figure out how you are going to change within this within this team. And one of the biggest reasons, or one of the biggest things that annoyed the team about you was the podcast that you were doing, right? If you're trying to turn over a new leaf, why are you going in headfirst into a medium that people don't like and you were speaking in these rambling functions and doesn't seem like at times you were actually taking accountability uh what were your uh impressions of the pod howard and how do you think that that is going to play going forward with this team listen i i am not going to try to to get inside the heads of of his teammates and coaches and, and, and warrior staff like I, do, I how will it play with them i don't know i think they're used to the fact that draymond whether it's sometimes like going straight to the press conference after shit has happened and speaking straight to the public and to the media about stuff. Like he's always, he's like, it's one of the things I admire about him. He doesn't dodge this stuff. Um, so I think they're used to that. And they're used to the idea that sometimes, you know, within 30 minutes after a finals game, he's going straight to, to recording a pod. And I, you know, it's probably not always welcome, but in this case, I don't want to sound like the, the Draymond apologist, but he did not do this on the day he got suspended or the day after that or the day after that. And in fact, one of the things he said later in the pod, uh, which I heard because I did listen to it start to finish because that is my level of dedication, fellas, as a journalist. We appreciate that. Um, mm, somebody got to do it. Late, late in the pod, which wrapped right before we were recording, um, he said that the volume, the company that he does the podcast with, he was thanking them for standing by him too because he had a deal in hand that had not been signed yet. That literally he was supposed to have, I think, the meeting with them to finalize on the day all the shit went down. And he was appreciative of the fact that they stood by him. And he was naming the various people with that network, including Colin Cowherd, who, who's that's, that's his podcast network, but also you know a lot of his executives or others that work with Draymond on this, thanking them for not backing away. And they said to him, 
hey, listen, if you want to have some like positive news out there, we can announce the deal. And he was like, no, it's not. Let, that's not this is not the time to do that. So if anything, there's a part of him that that realized it was not a time to be heard from at all for the last few weeks. Um, I think if we were going to fault, I, I, I'm not going to argue with anybody who wants to, to criticize Draymond for sometimes saying maybe too much. As a reporter, I'm always going to ask for more, not less. So I'm not going to advocate for him not to talk. But timing and, you know, time, place, all that stuff matters. I, I think it's to his credit. I don't want to overly praise him for it, but it's to his credit that he decided just to lay low throughout this whole thing until the suspension was lifted, until he was back. And then he decided it's, it's, you know, this is the avenue to hear from me. He does have a business, uh, arrangement with the volume. Yeah. So, was it, was there like I, language? There wasn't any language in the suspension from the team or the league that, that was going to forbid him from, from podcasting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He could have, he could have, and I'm not, Again, I'm not saying give him great credit for for not doing it. I'm just saying I'm not going to criticize him for for doing it today, January 8th, after he did lay low for the last three, four weeks or whatever. He didn't rush to the microphone immediately to start justifying or rationalizing. He served his time. He did whatever counseling was necessary. I believe if I'm reading and, and interpreting him correctly, that counseling is not ending just because his suspension's over. He's continuing. He talked about this being something that is a, you know, a process and a journey and a discover, you know, self-discovery and all that stuff that, that he's grateful for having this moment to kind of reassess and recalibrate. Um, and I, and I listen, I, I take him out of his word on all that because I think Draymond's always been pretty earnest, you know, uh, when he's thoughtful and self-reflective about, the things that have gone wrong for him or the things that he has done wrong. I, I respect the fact that he usually is, is pretty straightforward about that. Like there, there weren't any qualifiers on his apologies in this podcast today. It was, it, I thought it was all uh, pretty legitimate. Um, but I, I know Logan and I both listened to like, you didn't listen to all of it, Logan, but like, I know you, you kind of felt a little differently as it unfolded than, than I did. I, uh, I may, maybe I, I, I'm giving him too much credit. I think I just felt that the action of doing it, I think the action of doing it said a lot about where he is or where he isn't in his quest to get on the right path, right? Where, like, he says he's going to change. He says he's going to do all of these things, yet he is doing the thing. This He's continuing to do the things that he was doing that people didn't like before the suspension. He still have his level of defiance in a time where I think that he probably, if there was any time for Draymond to chill out and just kind of reintegrate himself with the team in a non-historic Draymond way, I think this was the time to do it. So the very act of having a podcast to discuss it, you think undermines the message that he was trying to deliver? I do. I do think that. I think that he is, this is a, a... this is a, this is a t- like that that podcast in general has caused him more problems than anything, right? Like well, it's not more than the punch of Nurkic or the strangling of Gobert. Sure, sure, sure. But it has been like it is like number six, right, of the problems. It has been, <laughs> and the other has has to do with him doing bodily harm on, on the people. But it hasn't helped him. And I think that this is something. This if there was ever a time where there was a crescendo of time where he needed to maybe change his ways and his overall ways of doing things, I think this was the time to do it. And even to his point about um, not. Uh, 
telling the volume not to uh, share the news that he got that that he re-upped with them. That wasn't if that would have dropped that hey, the Draymond has signed a new deal with the volume after he punched somebody or after he, you know, punched somebody, that wouldn't have been good news. We would have mocked it. You know, he knew he knew there was there's real reason why he didn't do that. It was because he didn't want to be mocked. It wasn't that it was, oh, I don't want to share good news. That wasn't good news to share. And I think there was um one thing I do love about Draymond, and I think that, Howard, you love it as well. I do love how candid he is. I just don't think this was a time and place to do that. I think if there was ever a time to chill out and quietly reintegrate yourself to a team that you have consistently let down over the last 18 months, I think this was the time to do it. I don't think this was a time to pod and get yourself out there to sell, sell, tell your narrative without people actually asking you questions. And, you know, I, if, I, I thought that this was a time where he could have just kind of quietly integrated himself back into that locker room. He, all right, but real quick, he was going to do at some point soon, today, tomorrow, whatever, he would be doing a press conference with Bay Area Media, right? So as soon as he does that, isn't he going to say the same things that he was able to just simply say and get out there on the on his podcast. I mean, I'm not saying like if people think it's um, unseemly to like essentially be quote unquote profiting from it because it is it's, it's podcast like they're getting advertising like he's in business with the volume. If they don't like is it the, is it the delivery method or is that he spoke at all? Because eventually he was going to have some sort of presentation like this, whether it was in front of us with the media or on a podcast or a sit down interview with one of the networks, whatever he was. He was eventually going to say these things. I think that I would have liked to see it more in a press conference setting because at least you can get, you know, you have the Howard Becks of the world that will challenge you on things that you are going to say. Whereas if somebody were to ask him a question tomorrow or whenever he talks, I'm assuming it would probably be tomorrow. Um, he'll just say, oh, no, I, I said everything I said on my podcast. I think that he wasn't going to I don't think that he was actually going to get um, held accountable. And it's always like that. I mean, ever since he got the podcast, he doesn't really like get pushed in the way that I think he should in this in that type of setting. Um, that's my thing on it. And also, I think that and I think it was the overall messaging of doing a podcast um, was the reasoning that I don't think I like I said before, I think that there was ever a time where you should integrate yourself quietly into the locker room. And I do want to get the, the NBA players perspective on this. If there was ever a time, Raja, like that you want to integrate yourself. Am I wrong on that? Do you how, how would you what do you think about that situation? Like you watched a little I, bit of it. How do you feel about that? With, I watched with, the, I watched a very little bit of it. Full disclosure, very little bit of it. I was I didn't I didn't. I mean, I what this boils down to for me is I think both of you have points. Um, what people typically want in that situation is not only for you to show remorse and be contrite, but they want to show that, that you will cede a little, a little bit of, of your free will in order to reingratiate yourself to the team, right? Like give something up for us. Like you want to come back, like you, you fucked up. Um, don't, don't to your point, Logan, don't do that anymore. Come out at the press conference you know, and, and do it in the way we'd rather have you do it. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Like, I don't, I don't know why, you know, someone would have to have to do that to re-ingratiate themselves to a team, like not do their normal podcast. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I would just say this, like in terms of looking at him from, from an ownership perspective and from a front office perspective, if, if someone 
if you and you've had that conversation with them in terms of the the podcast and and uh, not really being in love with it. I don't know if they have or haven't. You guys clearly are more plugged in on that than I am. But if you've had that and he comes out and does the does the podcast pre press conference, um, we got you know we just have real decisions to make because Draymond's basically telling you, look, I'm Draymond. Like that's what the podcast is about. Like I'm I'm I am doing me. Like he's told you all the time. Like I. You know, if I make mistakes, I'll own up to them, but I'm going to do what I do. It's who I am. And so you're at a point now and and where is the juice worth the squeeze? That's as simple as that. It really is. It boils down to like, if he's had the press conference and you, you don't like it and you've had those conversations, you know, and he's doing the podcast pre-press conference and Logan's saying, you know, we wish he wouldn't have done that. Well, this is where we are, man. Like all, you know, we can boil it down to the, to the nitty gritty. Is he good enough? Is it juice worth the squeeze at this point? Like, is the, are the antics and the dumb shit that might come along with it from time to time, not saying all the time, because I, I like Draymond, but is it still worth it to you as a Golden State organization? And that's the question, because he's not changing. Like, you're asking a human being to change over the course of, what, three weeks? That's not, that's not realistic in any walk of life, let alone a dude who's uber wealthy and, and, and plays, you know, in, in the best league in the world and has, has, has come from nowhere and feels like he's done it you know, despite all odds, like that's unrealistic. Raja hit a couple of things, a couple of like key words that Draymond himself actually hit on. And so I, I actually want to just real quickly, because I, <laughs> again, call me crazy. I typed a bunch of notes while I was listening um, to his pod. Um, the antics, Raja, you mentioned the antics. So this is Draymond talking. He was He was noting the fact that what he wants to do is not change the intensity level, you know, there's this whole thing of like, oh, but if you tell Draymond you can't do these things and you can't still be Draymond, he himself on the pod today says, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop taking the excuse of I can't play the way I play if I don't do that kind of stuff. Um, I'm no longer going to use that excuse, he said. Uh, he says, I'm still the same Draymond. You don't change all the spots on the leopard. This is him talking. Uh, but some things I can leave behind. The antics I can leave behind. That won't change the way I play the game of basketball. That's all Draymond speaking. Those are the notes I took. Uh, they may not be word for word. That's why I was encouraged or, or thought uh, I, I respected the way he delivered this on the podcast, whether it's on a podcast or whether it had been a press conference. Like that's the right message is basically to recognize there are some lines here. I can still bring all the intensity, all that just, you know, unbridled, uh, you know, Draymondness basically, right? All the stuff that makes him great. You can do that stuff and not swing and hit Nurkic. You can do that stuff and not headlock Rudy Gobert. And without saying it specifically in those terms, that's essentially what he's saying. I can leave behind the antics. I can still be me. And so I thought that was really key. And then the other piece of it real quick, three weeks, he says, a lot for me has happened. I'm not saying that three weeks changed uh, me entirely. Um, what I need is to grow and I've embraced that growth. I can't necessarily say I've always done that. So again, those are quotes from him during the pod. So I think that's a recognition that three weeks is not the whole thing. He doesn't come back a changed person. And even being a changed person, he's saying it's it's parts of this that have to change, but I'm, I still have to be me, but I can leave behind the stuff that got me in trouble in the first place. Well, I, I think that's that would be the message that you'd want to put out there um, if you were trying to you know, make amends for what you did and come back kind of hat in hand to the franchise and I'm ready to go to work 
type of mentality. I, I would just, I would, I would say if you were looking at it from their perspective, it almost has to say something like that. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I want you back. So I'm going to take it for what it's worth. I'm going to put my trust in you, I guess, but I would always be kind of a little leery. And I would just say from someone who had impulse control issues and deals, deals with them still now, that's, that's an easier said than done thing to go out there, be flying around on pure adrenaline, um, competing in an atmosphere where by his own admission, like, you know, he's had to overcome a lot of odds to get where he's at, really believing in yourself, having something from your perception being taken away from you. Cause that's, that's kind of what it is, right? Like, I don't mean to make this, but like when I struggled with, with those things and when I see Draymond struggle, you're usually in a situation with a player or a ref where where you feel like something's being taken away from you or someone's disrespecting you in a way or you're not getting the type of respect that you deserve and then you kind of lash out like but we're that's an underdog mentality bro like you've you've exi- you exist because you have that fight in you it's not easy to just turn that off like the antics aren't those aren't like hey premeditated i'm going to go into the game and at x y and z time when this happens here's the script that's not how that happens those are organic kind of reactions those are hard to turn off Adding to what you said, Raja, this is it, it doesn't matter what Draymond says in this thing, whether it's in a podcast medium and or a press conference medium, it's all, it's gonna be on the court and about the action that he that he puts behind it, to be honest. Because even because he, he referenced a, a conversation that he had with um with uh Steve Kerr, I think it was December 14th. They were and after a shoot around. And he talks about how they both cried and how both they they both. Uh, I think Steve asked him, "What do you want your legacy to be?" I'm paraphrasing on this one, right? Do you know how many times they've had that conversation throughout this season? No, for real. Like where even after the um, Rudy Gobert incident and. And uh, Draymond is coming back. Steve Kerr had that long hour conversation with him, touching on similar points of this. Right? That's where it's it. And I think maybe, um, you know, maybe I, I can say that you know maybe I can't overreact to the medium that he puts it. He puts you know his messaging on, and you know part of that is being a media member and wanting to scrutinize in the moment what he's saying as opposed to hearing him you know, just ramble for 50 minutes without any, you know, without anybody talk, asking him any questions, but he's going to, he has a lot to figure out on the court. And like Roger said, it's not going to, it's not going to change in three weeks. None of this is going to change. We're going to have to just see him change over the course. We're going to have to see him change in real time. And I'm dubious that he is going to change Howard. I think that that's the biggest thing on this, on this. And he, to Roger's point, he has gone through a lot to get here. He has, you know, overcome a lot of odds, you know, even from coming out of Saginaw, even from being a, a late second round pick, right? Even, you know, from Roger does this being a second round pick to undrafted and how hard it is to even get on a rotation, let alone become one of the greatest defenders of all time and being a Hall of Famer. But this is probably the biggest challenge of his career, Howard. Yeah, I think it is. And I think... Again, something that he said underscored it. I know people are going to probably view it kind of cynically because it sounds so dramatic that he disclosed that in his conversation with Adam Silver, Draymond says, I considered retiring. And Adam said, don't be rash. Like, don't, you know, take take some time. That's not the right thing. Um, 
Later in the podcast, though, this this sounds even more dramatic in a in a way, but I think in a again in a very like in a really important way that that shows how much Draymond I think has reflected on this. Draymond says one of the reasons I considered quitting is because the worst of me comes out on the basketball court. He's drawing the line, and this is something I've noticed a lot in the course of of my career covering the NBA, and it's something that I try to tell fans all the time. Who you are on the court is not necessarily who you are in life. Raja is, 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 is nodding, right? Um, cause you and can Raja's be a living testament of that for sure. Right. You could, yeah. Cause you could, you could, because the competitive intensity overtakes you, right? Raja talked about his own, uh, you know, impulse control. I think you said Raja, right? But that comes out when like you're at your most aggressive and intense cause you're competing on the court. And that, so when Draymond said, the worst of me comes out of the basketball court. I immediately flashed to certain players I've known who were like great dudes off the court, really smart, thoughtful people. But on the court, something sometimes just snaps. And yeah. Draymond says he considered retiring because he I, I, it seems like because of the struggle he has with what can, can I actually control that part of it? This is not who I am in the rest of my life. Why am I this way? When I'm between those those four lines, and I can vouch for that, and I know you can vouch for that, Howard. Just with how, with uh, Draymond specifically, he is a off the court, and all of great, my interactions with him, dude. all of your yeah. interactions with him, been a great dude, right? And yeah, like he does totally. have that intensity, he does have that competitiveness, but is a very. I remember there was one time, and I can say one of these that it was one of these things. Uh, it was after a postseason, like I think it was after the Western Conference Finals, right? Where. Um, I was trying to get him for an interview. I think it was after, it was in Portland. It was a 19. And one of the PR people was consistently shooing me away. And I remember he said, no, 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 no. I want it. I, if he ever needs anything, I got him, right? Things like that. He does great. He does. He is a, has great moments off the floor, right? But this on-court stuff overtakes that. And I'm just dubious that that's going to change in this short amount of time. I mean, I mean, I must maybe pose to Howard. Like, the, look, the, the jury will be out. And I would, I, I, you know, sometimes you think that you have to play a certain way because it's all you've ever known and it's what's been successful for you. And it's, it's quite frankly how you were able to overcome all the odds that were stacked against you when you started. And you've never really given an opportunity to yourself to see if you could play another way. You know, like it's almost it's almost like there's not enough confidence in what you can do to try something different, right? Like you're like, man, I got to have this emotion and this level of whatever you want to call it to be successful and you're not giving yourself the benefit of the doubt that if you if you just play with all the skill level that you've accumulated and all the all the knowledge that you've gained over the years of playing and you know, you've grown so much since you started that maybe you don't need all of that. Um, and if if he can get to that point, I would believe wholeheartedly that that he'll be fine. And and I don't think he'll deal with that. But as long as you're playing on that edge, and I know that edge all too well, as long as you're on that edge, like you just don't control it the way you think you do. You you literally don't have control sometimes in those moments. Um I didn't, and I see that with him sometimes out there. It's not a, it's not, I can't say this enough. That's not a conscious decision to do some of that shit. That's a natural reaction from where you are emotionally. Um, 
I, 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 you know, and again, I fell into the category how I was talking about. That's why I was nodding as much as, as I was. Mo- most people who, who meet me when I don't play for your team or, you know, as a fan or a player, their first reaction, even now, is people, I see it all the time. I'll fight him on site. I can't, I hate that. Like, people really have that reaction to who I was when I was on the court. But most people who know me when I'm not on the court think I'm a decent dude. It just, it brought out that part of me as well. So I know what that's like. Like that, I turned into a different person when I touched the court. So basically what you're saying is every time you run across a Kobe fan, they still want to fight you to this day. Oh man, yeah, that's hilarious, the Howard. <laughs> you you don't even know the half. But but you know how you know how I know it's hard. I'm 47 years old. I'm 47 years old. If I go to the park right now with my sons, I'm good for a while, chilling, like just hooping. It 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 doesn't take long for the intensity to rise before I can feel myself starting to be like, oh, bro, you don't want to be in that spot. Like you don't want you ain't like th- there's nothing out here for you to even be in that spot. But guess what you're getting close to? That fucking spot. So so I I know it's a really hard thing to turn off. So you almost got, you know, like I said, you gotta he's gotta give himself credit for being better than he thinks he is, bro. You don't need all of that. Go try to play a different way. Raja, I need you to wear two hats simultaneously right now. On one hat, I need you to to be the person of Draymond where you're entering a locker room where you're having to gain back trust, right? Where you're having to gain back trust from people even this season where you've seen them, where people that have seen you while out. And then I need you to put on another hat, which is the teammates that have that are welcoming him back into this locker room. What is each role playing at this point? Like, how do you, like, because there's going to be a time where some, even during the season, there's not a lot of practice time where even if Draymond is about to do something and it seems like he's about to go off, guys are going to like kind of flinch and be like, oh, shit. Even if he's not even like on that, even if he's not trying to, um, even if he is evolved, how do those two sides work together and come yeah. together? What are they thinking? What is the dynamic? What's going on here? Well, there's nothing you can do if you're a Draymond but be, you know, genuine and and just contrite about what happened. Like you got you have to you have to be you have to be in there and let everyone know that first of all, the team means more than anything to you in this world. You know, that was the thing that hurt me the most in this is that I let you guys down, right? And I know I won't repair this overnight, but I'm going to go about every single day trying to prove to you guys that, that, I, that I have you, right? Now, I don't think that's a hard sell to a team. When, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're towing that line and they look to you for that type of emotional leadership and, and, and backbone and grit, as long as you're not turning on them, and that's why what happened last year with Jordan Poole was so catastrophic, because it's hard to come back from that. But if your if your transgressions are against the other team in spaces where you, you know you're either defending or standing up or something like that, like dudes, typically there's not a whole ton of shitload of work to be done. Like just let them know that you ain't gonna let them down anymore and leave them for six, seven, eight games, what have you. Um, I won't put us in that spot anymore. And I think it's relatively easy for dudes to get over that. Now, the chemistry on the court, you know, 
How much did dudes do in your absence? How much success did they have doing it? You know, how much are they willing to seed some of that so that you can be reintegrated into that? I don't have a great answer for that. That's just, that's just going to kind of organically work itself out. But if you're in there saying, listen, fellas, I understand. I let you down. You know, I, I put us in a really bad spot. I, I think just taking full ownership from my own personal experiences and bearing your soul, like I won't do it again. I, I, I apologize and let's, let's play ball. And I'll prove to you that I, that I, that you guys are my priority. I think guys, guys are fine with you as long as you ain't beating them up. Howard, I've been, you know, in this locker room for much this season, like just even over the last couple of weeks. So I want you to put your fellow beat writer hat on. Um, at least in my mind, we're seeing leaks from Kaminga. We're seeing uh, injuries. We're seeing um, what seems to be a fractured locker room. All right. When you put your beat writer hat on right now, what are you seeing? What does this say about what a, a, this current group is when you hear from afar what's going on? It, I mean, it's alarming. Um, you know, your antenna go up when you're covering a team or even when you're covering the league, if it's somebody else's team, somebody else's beat and you start seeing things like, Oh, cause if, if the, uh, if it's an anonymous report, uh, Moses Moody, you know, has lost faith in, in Steve Kerr or Draymond, you know, in Kuminga's case, it's been both, right? There was some anonymous stuff as well as Kuminga himself being pretty, uh, pretty elaborate. And also quotes, this is years in the making, by the way, I just would like to sure. give context to that. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. And, and again, I know Raj will back me up on this. At any given moment in the NBA, on every single team, if you're covering that team, you can go to players 10 through 15 these days. Back in the day, it was through thir- through 12 or 13. You can even go through everybody probably like seven through the end of the bench. And if you want to write a story about how guys are unhappy with the coach, guaranteed. Almost every and team. That's on, every that's team on championship. Uh, that was on championship level teams. Dude, too. Championship teams, shitty lottery teams, teams on the treadmill of mediocrity. All of them, one through thirty. You can always. I'm not, and I'm not saying this to throw cold water on any of the reporting out of the Warriors' locker room. It's all it's clearly legit, and there are some issues. And again, like I think it's alarming. It should be alarming from the Warriors' standpoint in terms of like whether this team is still all rowing in the same direction. But guys, not happy with. Minutes, playing time, starting, bench, shots, whatever, touches, all of it. It's universal. It's all the time. It's more heightened when it's a team like the Warriors that one is in a bit of a fragile state. Two is trapped between eras, right? They sort of abandoned the two timelines thing, but they're still kind of trying to to straddle two eras. They're still trying to squeeze the most out of what's left of Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Steve Kerr, who, by the way, could walk away this summer. And still trying to, to, to extend this era at the same time that they have these young players who are itching for more responsibility, who, by the way, haven't always handled that responsibility well. Like, I know Steve Kerr is, is taking just blow after blow on Twitter these days and probably elsewhere. But like he's got, an, you know, a really difficult balancing act there. His job is still to try to make sure that Steph... And Clay and Draymond have another ch- opportunity to contend uh, uh, for championships. And at the same time, it's like, well, how come you're not developing the young guys? Because when he puts them in there, especially their first couple of years for Kuminga Moody and Weissman when he was there, they couldn't handle it. And so it, it's 
it's it's tough. So all of that is alarming too, right? Like the 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 fact that there are guys willing to or their agents are willing to leak stuff about their unhappiness with their roles and taking shots at the coach. All all of that is alarming because I think it 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 speaks to like Draymond is not not even close to their only concern right now. When you see that, how do you feel, Roger? When you what 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 you seen of the Warriors right now, and you see leaks that way, and, and leaks in that way from younger guys, and also see the injuries, and see what is the future path forward for the Warriors? Let's go, clairvoyant Roger, right now. Um, yeah, I listen. That's it's it's going to be wrapped up. I mean, it's it's. That's not a good place to be in. You've got new leadership at the top. Bob Myers isn't there anymore. Steve Kerr, to to Howard's point, can make a call on it this year. I, the future doesn't look bright. That's what I'll say. Like I, the future doesn't look bright. Like there's not. Clay Thompson isn't getting better. Dray, Draymond isn't an ascending player anymore. Like the, Steph is holding steady, but I would I would make the argument that those dudes are on a decline, right? And so. If you're still trying to win championships based around that, the rest of that roster is not that. Sorry, Golden State fans. The rest of that roster is not that. It's not the type of roster that gets those three over the hump. So if that's what we're talking about doing, then I'm telling you the future of that does not look bright. Now, I, you know, Steph's, Steph's a good dude. I don't think Steph is as... as it's the word that I would like to use for LeBron, as a matter of fact, it's black and white. Like LeBron's like, look, if I don't see it, I'm out. I, I don't really give a shit. I don't think I don't think Steph's like that. His relationship with Golden State, all that they've accomplished and whatnot. But I would I would bet you somewhere deep down in a really dark place, if no one were around, you ask that dude, hey man, like does this does this seem like the place to win more championships? Purely to win more championships, where you should ride it out in? He'd probably tell you no. That's not all that goes into that, though. You know, I'm so I'm just saying, like, if you were looking at it purely about to to win chips and what that looks like moving forward in Golden State, not good. It's tough times in the Bay Area. We gave you 43 minutes on the Warriors. Let's take a quick break and let's talk about another team. Get in on all the NBA buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Let's look at the games tonight. Bulls, Hornets, y'all know how I do. Taking the over on that. Celtics, Pacers. Whew, you know how that goes. Taking the over on that. Thunder, Wizards. I'm taking the over on shots for the Wizards. I know that much. Rockets Heat, taking the over. Jazz Bucks, taking the over. Suns Clippers, (laughs) you know what it is, taking the over. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And we are back. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bucks this season. I mean, we talked we talked about the Warriors in the previous segment, but this is a team that has championship level aspirations, a second in the Eastern Conference. But it seems like there is a bit of uh, I think that's that's my that's my uh, that's my uh, season recap on the Bucks. It's like uh, I, I don't know about them. I don't know what's going. I don't know what's going to happen. I think they're twenty six and eleven. Um, Giannis is urging, there's a, there's a headline in ESPN. Giannis is urging the slumping bucks to fix their issues over the next four months. This, we, we've seen versions of super teams. And when I mean super teams, and I would, I don't necessarily categorize this one as one because it doesn't have the three all stars, but this is a team with championship level aspirations with, um, generational type talent. Where when you see the Bucks, and I'll start with Raja on this, when you see a team like the Bucks and you see the record versus what you see on the floor, what does that tell you long term about where this team is going? There's some foundational issues with this team. They have so much talent up top that it can mask it and at times make it look make it look like something that maybe it it, it shouldn't be in terms of sustainability, which is a championship level team right now. They are too bad defensively. They're, and, and when I say foundational, like it's, it's, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not, I'm not breaking down the film with them. I don't know what the assignments are from night to night, but there is some fundamental change. Drew Holiday, yes, great defensive piece. I get that. Like there's some pieces around the fringes also that, that, that you could, you could throw at me as as to reasons why personnel wise they can't do certain things like they did last year, but I think it's deeper than that, bro. Like they're they went from one of the best rebounding teams in the league to a subpar rebounding team. Like they're they're the points they've given up in the paint um, this year versus what they've traditionally been. It's, it's not in the same realm. There's something there's something there, and and I mean foundationally in terms of their strategy and what they're trying to do philosophically defensively that has changed in a way that hasn't been good for them. Um, nah, Dame's going to have games where he plays his average 25 a game. Some nights he's, some nights he's not going to be great. Like that's the offense you work through. Defense always comes together before offense. Even when you're in training camp and you're in training camp and you have a, you have a scrimmage and 
you know, that's low scoring defense always looks good, man. The, the team that, that hangs their hat on that side of the, the ball is always going to look better quicker than the team that wants to, to, to work together offensively and be firing on all cylinders and have this ball movement, people movement type of deal. So I say that to say that offense is going to be a work in progress for two dudes who are as ball dominant as Giannis and Dame, but defensively, and that's been your calling card and what you've, you've hung your hat on at least through this window of time with Bud and staff. And, and, you know, I'm not throwing shade at Griff. Griff is my guy. But, and I talked about this, like, I don't know if they've changed verbiage. I don't know if they've changed, you know, it looks like those bigs are way out. Like they, you know, I read something where they're, they're blitzing pick and roll more. Like they stopped doing it with Brooke as much, but they're doing it with Bobby Porsche. They're doing it with Giannis a little bit more than they did. And, you know, that means dudes are out on, on the floor in space. They're not around their, the rim in a way to rebound, right? Like Brooke Lopez at the rim, having to challenge as many shots as he has to challenge means he's not in position to rebound. That means you're getting broken down off the bounce. That means, you know, there are breakdowns in your defensive scheme that are making him have to come over and challenge shots. There are a lot of things that are wrong there foundationally. Howard, it's it seems like the Bucks, like a lot of good teams, right, are in a race against time, right? And it's that timeline is accelerated when you have a guy like Giannis and you and you bring in a guy like Lillard. How do they figure it out? Before it's too late, right? Where how did what are the keys? Because we know the 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 deal that Giannis signed to keep him um, and and Milwaukee for um, at least on paper the next few years, but that could also change, right? Like we've seen a lot of player movement. If anything, over the last few years, contracts really don't matter when it means what it, we're talking about staying in a market. How do you think that? the Bucks will do with this race against time that we, we know that they're in right now. There's a pro personnel guy in the league who I've known for a long time, who at the time of this trade, when the trade first went down, and I think most of us, I think the, the majority reaction when the Bucks swapped out Drew for Dame Lillard was, wow, incredible. Partially because we were all shocked that the Bucks swept in and, and pulled this off in the first place when everybody thought it was Miami or bust. And I think the the reviews were overall really positive right off the bat. Dame, generational talent. Giannis, obviously generational talent, two-time MVP. Pairing them up. Could be the most devastating pick and roll in the history of the universe. All that stuff. Um, And I had this one pro personnel guy who threw the brakes on almost immediately that day when I was reaching out to folks just to get reactions and a feel for a fit and all that stuff. And he said, they're going to really miss Drew. And, And I said, but... I, I look, I get it. You're you're sacrificing defense for offense, but this game's about offense first and foremost, especially in this era. Aren't they gaining more on offense than they're losing on defense? And this this one personnel guy was basically like, I I, I don't think so in this case. I think I think they're they're really gonna they're like there's a danger they're taking a real big uh, step back. And I always kind of like kept that in the back of my mind because everybody else I talked to that day or texted with was pretty positive about it across the league. Um, look, there for all their offensive struggles that we've flagged, and like if you look at Dame's numbers, Dame's down, like his three-point shooting is one of the worst uh, marks of his career right now. Um, he's shooting one of the lowest, you know, just in terms of like his, his uh, field goal attempts is one of the lowest rates of his career. So it's him trying to adjust to, to a lesser role. Um, or just a, you know, a different kind of role. Um, but offensively, like they've still been like, whatever, top four or five, I think it, it's defense where they're down toward like, you know, 19, 20, whatever. 
And they just had a seven-game winning streak a couple weeks ago. It's just that they've now lost, I think, four of the last seven. That's kind of like thrown all the alarm bells up. So, like, I, I, it, it's all... I, I think there's a combination of things. There's just the complete change in identity from a defense-first team to a team that's now all about this one-two punch with Dame and Giannis. There's a rookie head coach who I think has had his growing pains for sure. And scouts around the league have, have kind of like whispered a little bit about like, it's not just when Stotts bailed out right off the bat, or it's not just about him reverting to the drop coverage after his players all came to him and said, you know what, you know, your, your defensive scheme isn't working. We got to go back to doing what we were doing. That stuff has kind of faded because it was earlier in the season, but that stuff has not gone away. And I think some of the concerns that I think people around the league have had about whether uh, whether Adrian Griffin is is the right guy at the right time for this team, I think those concerns are still there. They may be quiet, but I don't think they've gone away. And so you have that. You have the identity change. You have you know Drew not being there. You have the the ongoing issue that they had even before they made this trade, which is that they already had age issues. Chris Middleton and, and his health and availability. Brooke Lopez is up there in years and has missed a lot of games over the last several years. Um, all of which heightens the urgency, right? Because like their window, it may not be that big. Giannis's window is, is still stretching out pretty long, but this team as constructed, you know, may not have a lot left. It's interesting, Roger, because when I, when I think about Adrian, the, the, the one concern that I have going to the postseason is obviously the, the Bucks have the players to be at least on paper to be able to make a run. But I think last year's postseason taught us a really big lesson that we I don't think we really um, heed a lot is that coaching matters in this league. Coaching matters. It's all we're always building this up as a players league. And if you look at the Eastern Conference, what won out last year and in, in the postseason in the Eastern Conference, it was coaching. It was. It was Spolstra. I'm going to outcoach every one of my peers and I'm going to do whatever I can to figure out some kind of way with all these bits and parts to get the Miami Heat into the finals. And when we go into this postseason, I'm kind of on the other extreme now of like, do I really trust Adrian Griffin in his first year? in the gauntlet of the Eastern conference to be able to do this. Do I, do I trust Missoula no matter how good Boston looks right now when the chips are down? Do I trust them? Should the bucks be trusted um, no matter what their record is when it is time for May and April and beyond at this point with what you've seen so far, the defense concerns me. It's not like they're this offensive juggernaut that, that is just, you know, reinventing the way you play offense in the NBA and no one can figure it out and stop them from scoring. If they were that and they were poor defensively, I'd say, I, I, I yeah, I trust it. But the, it's not that. Like, um, here's the thing. Like you said, tr- trust is an interesting word. You said, should we trust them, right? I don't have a great answer. I don't know. But I do know this. That word trust is what it ultimately boils down to with Adrian Griffin. Do they trust him? Whatever he's preaching in there. And that's typically where things start to fracture on a team. It, you, you lose trust for whatever reason. If, if The answer right now is probably no. They don't fully trust him. How does he regain that trust? I don't know. I think Griff is fully capable of being a head coach. I think that was a terrible a terrible look for Griff 
as, as a first job. And I don't think he was the right fit for that particular job because of where they were as a franchise and how close they were just coming off of, you know, the successes that they it had. It was curious in the moment for sure. It was definitely curious in the moment. And, and Nick and Nick Nurse was on the market still at that time, right? right? Like they could have Yeah. They so, could have had Nurse. There were some other guys too. I yeah. So so for, from from you know, when I when all of that's in play and then you tell me the team's already, you know, been in there and they've they've had to change coverages and that's not a good look in terms of the trust that I'm talking about. Cause your game plan might not be hella solid. But if, boy, if I trust and believe in what you're selling as a coach, we might be able to overcome that. Roger, might- when you, when you, when you, uh, like when you're thinking about those two things and there's a constant changing and changing, how does that affect the player on the day to day, right? Where you're probably second guessing yourself on coverages look, and like, I don't know what to do right here. I don't, how, how, how does that affect the day to day? It's a very delicate look. It's a very delicate balance because we'll all sit here and tell you as players, we don't want a dude who's non-collaborative, who, who doesn't listen to like what, you know, what we're seeing out there on the floor. Cause we're the ones out there, so on and so forth. Right. But that's on one hand. And on the other hand, we definitely don't want a dude who, if his stuff doesn't work the first or second time, he's caving to every single possible philosophy that's flying around the locker room because then you look wishy-washy. And I'm not accusing anyone of being this, mind you. This has nothing to do with Griff or any other coach. This is just you know players in NBA locker rooms and coaches in general. I had conversations with coaches, trust, where I was like, hey, bro, stick to your guns. It might not be, it might not be right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's right. Get up in front of everybody and say it like you believe it to be the fucking gospel. Get up there and preach it. If you do anything short of that, they're going to eat you up. Like, don't don't waver in the face of any of that shit. Just get up there and say, hey, dude, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. This is the way I believe it to be. And here's how we're going to do it. And you'll get people, you'll get people to, to at least give you the benefit of the doubt for a while. Then you got to figure out how to make it work. But if you're wavering, so it's a very de- it's a very delicate thing, Logan. I don't have a great answer for you. You have to find the sweet spot in in sticking to your guns, your principles, and what we want to do, but also being able to compromise a bit in spaces where it doesn't completely change what you're talking about, but it gives players an opportunity to maybe be a little bit more successful. And you know, quite frankly, that's why I ain't no damn NBA head coach. Like I I, I don't know how to do that, but. That's what, would you that's have stick to your guns, Roger, or would you have been like, "Fuck you, motherfucker"? What would you have been as a head coach? No, it can't. It, it can't be. It can't be that. That's what I'm saying to you. It can't be a f you guys. Like this is the way. It can't be all the way that. Not in today's day and age with today's player. There was a time where it was that, but it can't be like, um, "Hey, we're trying Logan's way tonight, guys." Hey, that shit didn't work. Hey, Howard, what do you got for me? Can't be that either, because you know you've you've lost the locker room at that point. They don't believe that you know what you're talking about. So. It's got to be, you know, again, that's a, that's a tough gig. And for his first job, for them to be right there knocking on the door, even before you got Damian Lillard, I think that's a very, very, that's a very, very tough gig to step into for your first head job. Howard, uh, what's the, and we're going to get out of here in a second, but I do want to leave on this. Howard, what is the, what is the panic meter on the, on Giannis watch at this very moment? And like I said, he did sign a deal, but it doesn't really matter. It, 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 it has, what is, if you're on in the Bucks organization, what's your level of concern with how he's feeling at this point? I mean, 
one of the things I love about Giannis is how uh, candid and, and and impassioned he is when things are going either really well or really badly. Um, the quote he gave the other day, the story you were alluding to, the quote he gave, he's talking about, you know, we have to play better, we have to defend better, we have to trust one another, we have to be coached better. And he says, uh, you know, he's saying everybody has to be better. He says, it starts from the equipment manager. He has to wash <laughs> our clothes better. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I don't think I've heard the equipment manager called out before unless they said, gotten, lock like, the fuck in, guys. Let's strap in. Let's go. <laughs> I, I do remember like there's been some like, you know, uh, Jersey malfunctions where like someone's name got mangled or a vowel f- got fell off or like I remember Robert Ori's like drawstrings snapped one day and his shorts were slipping off in the middle of a game. There's a photo floating around on the Internet on that one. Um, I'm laughing in the background. Um, <laughs> but the equipment manager, Yana cited the equipment manager. Uh, I know he didn't mean to like call him out. It was just more like it was it was that whole speech you give. We all got to be better. Everybody from the first guy to the last from the root to the tutor. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even they should have? You should like cited like the bus driver, the chef. The chef's gotta be better. My eggs were runny this morning. He points that as you podcasters. You guys gotta be better. (laughs) We know. We know. We gotta be. That, That goes without saying. Um. I wrote a column when Giannis on the day signed the day Giannis signed that extension a couple months ago uh, that Bucks fans were very cranky about, and I don't I sort of understand why they were, but I kind of don't. The point of the column was simply I was basically thinking out loud, arguing with myself about, hey, Giannis just signed this extension. Wow, that's fantastic news for Milwaukee, for the Bucks, for their fans, for everybody. He's committed. And then I argued with myself for the next like 800 words about whether that really means that because in today's NBA, we've seen various versions of this, including with his teammate, Damian Lillard, who was loyal to the nth degree with Portland and, and, and legitimately so until the day that he wasn't. And I'm not saying that makes him a hypocrite and I'm not saying it makes him wrong or anything else it's like but everybody's got the breaking point and in today's nba eventually you say you know what there's a dead end here and i think i gotta move on and i'm not saying that 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 Giannis is or will or should the point of that column was simply kind of trying to grapple with this this era that we're in where if you've got the juice that a Giannis or a dame or a lebron or a kevin durant or a kyrie irving or these guys have the contract doesn't matter. Yo, Logan, you said it. Contract doesn't matter. You can sign for a thousand years. But if you decide one day you woke up and you've lost faith in the organization for any reason, or you just see a dead end, or it's just time for whatever reason, guys can always still force their way out. And I, I, like, I'm not sounding any alarm bells right now on January 8th of this season where they've had Dame for less than a half season so far. Adrian Griffin's been a head coach for less than a half season so far. They're still one of the top teams in the East. They're still, by net rating, one of the top teams in the NBA. And they they have, I just was double-checking, they have the third-rated offense. For all the sputtering we've seen at times with the offense, they're third in offensive efficiency, just slightly behind the Celtics uh, and the Pacers. Like, I I think overall they're probably fine, but fine is not the standard when you've won a championship and you have a two-time MVP and you got an, an, another generational talent next to him now. Like the standard is like championship or bust. And so that that makes the stakes really high and the the margin for error really thin. And yeah, if it goes badly in the spring, 
I wouldn't rule out anything. Again, I'm not predicting it. I'm not trying to like get, get hot takey here, but like in the era we're in, assume nothing. And you know, I I, I think Milwaukee, I think Bucks leadership, owners and front office all understand that too, right? That's why you make the big swing for the fences trade for Dame in the first place. Because nothing's guaranteed and we got to do everything possible in the moment to ensure that Giannis is happy here and has a chance to keep contending for championships here. Last question, Howard. Do you do you think um, Giannis ends his career in Milwaukee? <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> um Totally unfair question, Logan. That was that was that was messed up. That's there. Happy fucking New Year, Howard. Why don't <laughs> you, know, you say this, something? No, 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 no. This is for Raja. This is for Raja. This oh, okay. Is for Raja. Oh. No, no. You go ahead. You're chill. This is for Raja. You literally said Howard. Oh wait, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Edit that in post. <laughs> not leave that. Hey, leave that in, Kurt. No, no, no. Edit that in post. Uh, it's. Uh. All I know is he's trying to screw one of us, Raja. Yeah. He, he's trying to make he's trying to put one of us on every bulletin board and every fucking like social media feed. Every aggregator's gonna be like Raja Bell and Howard Beck predict Giannis is leaving Milwaukee <laughs> in July. What do you think, Logan? Where are you? What at? do I think? Um, I think that he is he is flirting with the idea in his head at this very moment, for sure. I mean, I think not in his. I think that he has flirted with the idea because he said it to the New York Times, right? He put he he thought about it so much. He said it to a podcast over the summer too. Yeah, two separate interviews. He said this. <laughs> Did he say that the second one on the podcast with Milwaukee Bucks uniform on, which was hilarious to me, just optically speaking. But I think it's something that he has thought about. I think that it is on the table for him to dip. I think that that is definitely the tea leaves are there. And I think that if it doesn't get right, I think that, yeah, I think it is fair to assume that he may not end his career in Milwaukee. I just put my life and my stuff on the line for y'all. Now y'all answer the question. I just put, I just put my rep on the line. It's y'all turn now. That was a soft take though. That was soft. Could he, could he potentially wind up not being in Milwaukee? Yes, that's the that's the answer you just gave. <laughs> is there a world in which Giannis doesn't? Yeah, there is a world where he doesn't. And his career on the line for y'all. And this yeah, is, this is the things I get. Hey, you put just, a lot on the line. Hey, there, hey Roger, I just put the pot on my back, and hey. this is y'all didn't answer it either way. Y'all got scared. Y'all yeah, got you scared. didn't either. By the way, yeah, you didn't either. That was as soft yeah. pedaling as it comes. <laughs> Whatever. So no, no, and nobody has anything to say. We just wrap this pod on up. That's what uh, we're done today. I'll, I, I will say this: like odds, I'm not saying that he's not going to, but like odds are he he won't. Right? If sure. you had asked any of us five years ago, is Dame going to end his career in Portland? We'd say, of course, he's going to end his career in Portland. But I won't be surprised if something else happens because this is today's NBA, right? I I think Giannis. I listen. I want to be very clear. I think he absolutely truly wants to end his career in in Milwaukee. He would like to stay there. He would like to play his, his whole career there. Is that realistic, though? And will his priorities change at some point, the way that Damian Lillard's did, the way that LeBron's did a couple times, the way that several other guys have? Yeah, odds are, odds are something's going to change. Odds are he'll go somewhere else to finish. That doesn't mean I'm predicting it or expecting it. Or, or wanting it, it's just like, it's just kind of a recognition of like, that's today's NBA, for better or worse. Slightly stronger take. Raja, your turn. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Damn. Yeah, I mean, happy I don't, fucking I don't, New Year, people. I don't think you can get much stronger than Howard's take without predicting that he won't be in a in a Bucks uniform at some point. And that's un, I don't think that's fair either. Just because I do I do agree with Howard. I think he would like to be to stay a Buck. And if the Bucks, if they're look, if they're close, and the Bucks are willing to do what they did this year as many times as they can do it to keep him happy, then I think he stays a buck. Like, we're, we're close. Obviously, if I'm here, we're going to have a chance and we'll be really close and you will do whatever you can as an organization to keep me with the type of talent um, that we've collectively identified should help me get over the hump. If they show the willingness to do that and spare no expense, then I think he stays a buck. But I, I mean, honestly, like to Howard's point, like in today's NBA, that's a rare thing. That has been another addition. Of real ones, motherfucking Mondays. I think we will be back. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Bucks fans are going to cancel us in the next week. <laughs> Definitely. See you guys uh, Thursday. Me and Ra Ra. See Howard very, very, very soon on a Monday. Talk to y'all soon. Tap in. All the shits. Bye. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.